You're gonna need a bigger boat. What a lovely day! I'm having an old friend for dinner. You are a toy! She wouldn't even have a fly. You can't handle the truth! I'll be back. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Episode 5 of Cinematic Blind Spots. Welcome back, everybody, to anybody who may be listening to this. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Josh. And today we are talking about a movie that I'm sure Josh was not expecting. Um, actually, he may have known knowing me. Any Anyone who knows me knows that I love animation. And when I say I love animation, I don't just mean I love Disney or Pixar, or DreamWorks. I love I love those movies. They're great movies, but I also love any movie that basically tries to, you know, buck the trend that animation only falls into one of two categories. Have you noticed this? Like, in Western animation especially, if you have an animated movie, it is either going to be Finding Nemo, or Toy Story, or something like that, or it's going to be Sausage Party. Yep. It's going to be, let's let's see how many dick jokes and F-bombs we can fit into a 90-minute cartoon. You are not wrong. <laughs> I, w- when I saw the trailer for, for Sausage Party, I was like, oh dear God, are you kidding me? Seth Rogen is just destroying my dreams of animation being taken seriously in America. Because, cause yeah, it falls into those two categories. And I watched it. <laughs> I watched it too. I didn't hate the whole thing. I only, I only hated most of it. That that Saving Private Ryan parody in the beginning of it was hilarious. I was laughing my ass off at that whole thing, and then the uh, the moment with Meatloaf. You remember the you, you remember the moment with Meatloaf? No, I don't. Oh, you don't? Oh, they, they, that movie did not st- stick in my mind. I okay, well, actually... this part did stick in my mind. It's uh, <clears throat> the, the 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 music that's playing over the uh, over the scene is I would do anything for love. And in the background, you see a package of meatloaf, like you'd find, <laughs> like a package of hamburger meat you'd find in the in the deli, and and it, and it's and it's even the, the the cellophane on it even looks like it's got like a big frilly you know meatloaf outfit oh. on it, that. Those two moments, those those got me. <laughs> Anyways, we are not here to talk about sausage party today. We are here to talk about a 2015 movie. That is billed as a drama, comedy, animation, romance. It holds a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics and a 70% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. We are talking about Anomalisa. Now, I, I love this movie just, just like I said, for the very reason that it's it's a serious <clears throat> film that is that is animated. It is stop-motion animation. It is a beautiful movie. Uh, do you want me to do all the... Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it it um, it. Okay, I gotta stop saying um so much. <laughs> like I want you to like jab me with a pen every time I say um or something. Okay. And then, and then will you make the Pillsbury Doughboy sound? No, I'll oh. probably it'll probably be more of a shrieking sound or something. <laughs> <laughs> this movie had an eight million dollar budget. It made three million seven hundred and fifty nine thousand two hundred and eighty six domestic. And then 1.9 million international, so not a success by any stretch of the imagination, unfortunately. It was directed by Duke Johnson and uh, and Charlie Kaufman. 
Charlie Kaufman wrote it and co-directed it. Duke Johnson, I had to look him up. He, this guy has a, has an affinity for stop motion animation because he is credited with Moral Oral, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. It used to be a show on Adult Swim. And it was, it was just that. It was an Adult Swim, you know, adult animated cartoon, stop motion. He um, is currently directing one called Mary Shelley's Frankenhole, which I have never heard of until I looked him up on IMDb last night. <laughs> Um, but I'm yeah, intrigued. <laughs> very intriguing title. Yes. Uh, and of course, Charlie Kaufman, probably his most famous movie is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which was a fantastic movie. If you've never seen it, we're going to be doing a podcast on it. It sounds like we will. <laughs> this movie stars David Thewlis, I think is how you say his last name. That's what I was thinking. Th- Th- it, that, that's what it looks like. Thewlis, which you and I, we both know him as the shame wizard from Big Mouth, from Netflix Big Mouth. All you Harry Potheads out there know him as Remus Lupin. Uh, he was also, the first movie I ever saw him in was Dragonheart. He was the bad guy in Dragonheart. Um, we also have Jennifer Jason Lee, who the only thing I think I know her for is Daisy from The Hateful Eight. You mentioned what? Um, uh, single wife, female. And, and I don't know her name in that, but then Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen either one of those. She lost her virginity in the dugout on a high school baseball field <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> wow, okay. That's, um... There's a note for you. Yeah, I don't, I'll have to, have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, and also Tom Noonan, which you and I both know as Frankenstein's monster from Monster Squad. You know, exactly. Bogus! And also and, the Tooth Fairy from And also the Tooth from Fairy Manhunter. from Manhunter. I have that note right here. Manhunter, for those of you who don't know, is the original version of Red Dragon before Hannibal Lecter was played by Anthony Hopkins. Actually, the first guy to ever play Hannibal Lecter on screen was Brian Cox, of all people. Yeah. And he did, a, he did a damn good job. I think he did. Um, of course, by the time I had seen that, I had seen all three seasons of Hannibal, and I think I had seen the original Red Dragon, so I had heard that joke about, what kind of aftershave is that? It smells like there's a ship on the bottle. I'd heard that joke like four (laughs) times eventually. (laughs) So, one of the taglines of this movie, um, or one of the accolades that, that they had on the trailer for this movie that I absolutely loved is, the most human movie of the year, and it doesn't star a single human. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty good. I would say that is a that is, very accurate yes. analogy. I like that. Um, oh, shit, I'm doing it again. Sorry. <clears throat> I got to come up with something to say besides, um, I'm going to sit here hmm, or something like that. Make, makes me sound a little bit more intellectual. Okay, so, just before we even get into the story, what was your impression going into this movie? Uh, I didn't know what to expect. You didn't know what to expect? I knew it was going to be like, an artsy type animation just mm-hmm. because it didn't play anywhere near us. No, you I, drove over I an had hour to drive to like 150 it. miles to find a stoot to find this tiny little indie theater that was showing so us movies movie. like that. I know that it's not going to be your movie of the week fair. Mm-hmm. So I figured it'd be an artsy type animation. Mm-hmm. Definitely more sophisticated. It, it was, it was like, like we said, it was a critical darling. But, I mean, if you watch the trailer for this movie, it's got tons and tons of accolades from can and, all these other different film festivals, Sundance and all these things. Um, but it, it's just a really unexpected movie. Oh, it, yes. I'd never heard of it until until Jonathan told me about it. My best friend told me about it. He's like, dude, you have to see this movie. I'm like, yeah, I remember you telling me you were going to see it. Mm-hmm. So it takes you a little while to really figure out what's going on because the movie starts with just a black screen 
You hear and some talking. You hear some talking. Like I wrote down a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone talks about going back to school, mm-hmm. and someone's asking them if they're sexually active mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, and then it just starts to fade into mumbling. Mm-hmm. It just becomes like a, a, a cacophony of all these different voices, and there you you notice they they that the, the the voices all tend to sound the same. Yes. Right about um, well, it starts with this gentleman. His name is Michael Stone. The character. Well, before that, I love this opening shot. Oh yeah, the shot of the plane. The shot of the plane, and then when it goes behind the clouds, you don't see the plane anymore, and it mm-hmm. pans back, and you're from you're looking from Michael's point of view out right, of the plane. Right, you're looking from one plane to another. Um, the one thing I got to say, the character models that they use in this movie look pretty. It, 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 what what makes them look weird is that the the bottom half, like from the from the eyes down to the bottom of the jaw, is one half. Right for for obviously for, you know forming words and then from the eye from the from the eye up to the you know the forehead is another is another uh, piece. yeah like, like I kept getting puppet feel that's yeah. how I felt puppet. well I I think that's what you're supposed to because it, honestly that's what kept it from being too uncanny valley uh, you're familiar with that term no I'm not well that is when like animation is it reaches a weird place between looking not realistic enough but not cartoony enough. Like okay. um, like the, uh, the 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 live action trailer for the new Cats movie that is Uncanny <laughs> Valley on steroids. Okay. You see that shit and you go, "What the fuck is this?" That is that's Uncanny Valley. Yeah, and some shots with the way that looked, it made me keep thinking someone had glasses I, on. And same then, thing. And I realized, no, that's just the way that. Right, no glasses. That's that's just <laughs> the way the characters look. Uh, so it starts with our our main character Michael Stone, who is um. The, you know, David David Thewlis's character on this plane, just you know, by him. Well, he's not by himself. There's a guy sitting beside him, but he has this letter from his from this person. We don't know who it is yet. No. Lots of f bombs. Lots of f bombs. Like, oh like the first line of the movie is, "Dear Michael, fuck you." <laughs> yes. <laughs> like okay, three cheers for adult animation. Woohoo! Uh, okay, and then um. So I didn't look this up. I had no idea what it was rated. Oh, you didn't? I didn't know that. So oh. when I got the fuck you right in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to say this is going to be an R rating because I didn't actually look it up to see. I just I went into it. Your kids weren't in the, in the room. No. When you, okay, no, good. definitely good, not. Good, 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 good. Oh, but we'll talk about this movie later, but I had a very scarring incident as a child going, oh, this is a cartoon. It must be for kids. No, it was not. Um, so... Michael is is reading this letter, and, it, and and as he's reading it, you see the picture, or you see an image of the person saying it. It's a woman saying, Dear Michael, fuck you. But it's a guy's voice. Yes. It's a guy's voice coming out. So you're like, okay, that's weird. As he is landing in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. he is leaving the airport. He pulls out this old school iPod. This is another thing I noticed. They did not set up what year this was. Not until the very end of the movie. Well, before he pulled out the iPod, that's after he gets off the plane. Mm-hmm. Did you not laugh when the guy grabbed his hand on the plane oh, as they're yeah. landing? Yeah. And that's what woke him up. And he's like, yeah, but you can let go now. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> guy's, like, the guy's like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, that, that, that's a reflex. I usually fly with my wife. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. But you can let go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. 
So he's leaving. He pulls out this old school iPod and it, it kills me to think about how old these things are. Cause I had one brand new in 2004 when I graduated high school, but it was the old white, just a click wheel monochrome screen, not even a color screen. Never had iPod. one. You never had I one? I remember them, but I never had one. I, I discovered them and thought, oh my gosh, I can fit 20 gigabytes of music on this thing. That's amazing. I'll <laughs> never fill that up. Now my, now my phone is like 256 gigabytes, I think. So anyways, he's leaving, he's, he's leaving the airport, he puts his headphones in, and it starts playing a song that I know it's called The Flower Duet. It is a beautiful piece of music, but the voices that are singing it, again, they're all male voices, and usually it's female voices singing this song, and they sound terrible. Like, did you notice that? The, the, the... I, did, I didn't know the piece. Oh, you didn't know the piece, okay. So I didn't, I, I didn't think it sounded good, but no, I didn't know what the original sounded, sounded like. It sounded terrible, so. but the original is a really beautiful piece of music. You need to look it up sometime. So Michael is in town for business. He is in Cincinnati. He gets in a cab. He wants to smoke. He wants to smoke. The cab points to a sign says, I have asthma. I have asthma, <laughs> yeah. So he can't smoke, so he's just kind of sitting in the back. And, and I, I drive for Uber. I've had customers like this who just like, you know, don't want to talk. And when they don't want to talk, I don't talk to them. But this this cab driver just won't shut up about yeah, Michael's all the... Yeah, very annoyed. Michael's very annoyed. All the great things you can do in Cincinnati, like go to the zoo. Yes. And, 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 and get the famous Cincinnati chili. Oh, did you... I, I, I made a note of that. Cincinnati chili sounds gross. <laughs> because the guy's like, oh, it's great. You got to try the Cincinnati chili. They put chocolate and cinnamon in it and they put it over pasta. I'm like, who the hell serves chili like that? I guess that's what we get from coming from the South. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so he gets dropped off at his hotel. And the first time I saw this movie, right about this time as he's checking in, that's when I realized that all the characters beside him have the same voice. You know, that's what I was thinking, but I thought maybe I'm not, I'm just hearing it wrong, because mm-hmm. I was like, man, it sounds like everyone's the same but him. Yeah, everyone has the same voice <clears throat> but him. Like, so. I had already mm-hmm. looked up the cast, mm-hmm. so I knew Tom Only Noonan three. was doing the mm-hmm. other voices, mm-hmm. but I thought he was going to be doing different voices, right. but he's, he's really but not. Most it's, of them are just him talking. Just like <laughs> now, now, like, I've noticed when he's doing some, some, some uh, child voices, he will kind of raise his voice a little bit, but for the most part, it's just him. You know, when it's a woman... Speaking, it's just his normal voice, which I think is hilarious. I mean, it's this is right right about that time. This that, that's when I noticed that all the characters had the same voice because when that's what what you learn about about Michael is that he has a hard time, you know, finding anything unique or interesting about anybody. Right. And he's walking into this to this lobby of this hotel, and people are noticing him. They're like, oh, it's Michael Stone. Michael Stone is here, so we know that he's somebody Someone. important. And man, um, when he checks into the hotel, the way the guy's typing his name information in the computer, yeah, just and looking just staring dead at him. at him while he's <laughs> typing, that is so creepy. Yeah, I put down creepy how the guy stares at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he gets up to his room. He's tired. He's oh, on, he's talking to the bellhop. He's talking, talking to the bellhop. Yeah, bellhop will not bellhop, shut up. Bellhop once again talks about the chili. He's telling him the weather outside for the day. I mean, he's just wanting to make any and kind of conversation. And it's nighttime. It's nighttime, and he's talking about the weather. Like, we, he was just outside. We saw it. It's raining. It's cold. So finally, alone in his room, he is calling. And I made this note. How many dining options can a hotel phone have? Because he's trying to call room service, and there's like a picture of a burger, and a picture of a chef, and a picture of a turkey, and, and a picture of a chicken leg. I thought that was funny, too. But before that, I, I made a note. 
Lovely shot of Michael pissing because we get oh, him yeah, going in yeah. the bathroom and you you, you see, see the you see the stream yeah I was like, <laughs> wow they really went into some detail yes. with this movie and, yeah, and that ma- the mag the first magazine he picks up before he looks at the phone with mm-hmm. all the food options says try the chili yeah everything is <laughs> all going on about the chili he looks out his window and sees a guy in an office building across the street jerking off at his cubicle for some reason don't know why. So we find out that Michael, he, he calls his wife, and even his wife has the same voice. Yes, and I wasn't sure, because I, I, I was like, he calls, I thought I said Donner, and I was like, Donner? But I realized it was Donner. Donna. I yeah. realized that later. Donna. Because mm-hmm. it sounded like a man, so mm-hmm. I was like, maybe his name was Donner. Mm-hmm. This part, I, was, I wasn't I was too happy with Michael. Really? Yes, because, you know, I have kids. Mm-hmm. And he, he makes it clear he does not want to talk to his son. Right. He's like, no, no, please don't put him on. Don't put on, put him, mm-hmm. don't put Henry on. And, and I was like, oh, oh, Henry, come, your daddy's on the phone. Yeah, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't like that. Because when I'm away, like when they're out of town or mm-hmm. something, I make sure to talk to them every night. That's great. So, that's great. So, yeah, we find out that he is, you know, his wife mentioned something about him thrashing around in bed, which comes into play later. He's, this guy is obviously not well, not happy. We no. won't say he's mental yet, but he is, he's, he's, he just he feels alone in the world. Feels like very he, alone like in the world. It's just him. Yes. Yeah. And and I I having lived in a giant city. I mean, I lived in Osaka, Japan, for three years. I I know what that feels like to be in a massive crowd of people and completely feel alone. I can I can attest to that. So he's here in Cincinnati to give a speech on customer service, and he doesn't seem like a good candidate for that because nope. he doesn't <clears throat> you know he he doesn't see anything unique in anybody. He doesn't like to talk. He doesn't like to talk. He's very <laughs> antisocial, very introverted almost. He he walks out, you know, it this this there's there's not a lot of action in this movie. The whole thing takes place over a few hours just about. He leaves his room to go get some ice from the ice machine and there's a couple arguing in the hallway. Yep, and a fuck you, bitch. Yeah, it's like, and, and what's so funny is because it's a guy and a girl, but they both have Tom Noonan's voice, so it sounds like an insane person arguing with himself. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, no, fuck you, fuck you, bitch, no, fuck you, my mom was right about you, and oh, he, fuck and, you. And he doesn't even give and one book He does them. not give one like I mean, he, he just completely ignores them. The only fucks given were from those two people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> So now we find out he's back in his room. He's drinking. We find out that the woman who sent the letter that was being read in the beginning of the movie still lives in Cincinnati. Obviously an ex-girlfriend. And is obviously not happy with him because of the way things ended. You know, she as, as it goes throughout the movie, you hear more and more of this letter that was written saying, you know, like, what happened? I thought things were going so well and then you, you just up and left. What, what the hell happened? So he finds this girl, finds this woman... In the phone book, calls her up, Bella, Bella, mm-hmm. and calls her up and is like, "Hey, I'm I'm in town for the night. Could you like to come over and have a and have a drink?" And <laughs> she has a line that the first time I heard it was just like, "What?" Before he even asked that, he, mm-hmm. he he goes ahead and mentions that he's married and has a kid. Yeah, now he, yeah, he mentions that. Yeah, he mentions that he's married and has a kid. He um, and then he asked she about said her. She's not. She's not. She said. She, I think she said she was dating a guy or just broke it off. Or something. And then he he tells her he misses her yeah. after mentioning he's married and has a kid. He mm-hmm. talks about missing this mm-hmm. lady. Uh, so he he she she has this line. You know, she says, "Well, I've gained a little weight," and then she says, "And I have a false tooth. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fake front tooth fake front from tooth. a fall. I fell and hit a cement bench with my mouth." 
I was like, that is oddly specific. <laughs> that is totally something I would tell somebody I hadn't seen in goodness knows how many years. He's sitting watching the TV before he goes to meet her, and there's this really awesome stop-motion recreation of a scene from a movie from 1936 called My Man Godfrey. That that scene where you know on the TV this woman's jumping up and down. Yeah, like, Godfrey that. loves me. Godfrey loves me. That was a, that was a real movie. And I they, know that I knew the name My Man Godfrey. Mm-hmm. I did not know that was what that was from. Yeah, that was from. That's what okay. that was from. And uh, fun fact: they used that clip because they could not get the rights to Casablanca. <laughs> they wanted to use Casablanca, couldn't get the rights. Okay then. So goes he goes and t- to the hotel bar and is waiting for um, Bella to show up. She shows up, and they they sit down and start talking like they're kind of like they're old friends, you know. He's already had one drink. He and orders another. I did notice she had talked about the weight, so mm-hmm. she wore like this really oversized sweater. Yes, yeah, like she did. Really uncomfortable about yeah, this. She did. <laughs> and Michael is desperately trying to make a connection with something that he used to see in this relationship. And if you pay attention in the movie, you're starting to see a pattern here because. He think you know he thinks he has psychological problems. He falls in and out of love with whoever he is with. Yep. You know, for a moment he will be completely enamored with them, and then lose interest with his ex. And even you get the idea with his current wife that he is starting to to feel that same way again. Even his son. Mm-hmm. Even with his son, because you know, again it goes back to, you know, he doesn't care about anyone because you know nobody is unique or or interesting to them. To him, he does. He just doesn't care. He he, he doesn't. I, I don't know what his problem is. If he's just massively depressed or what. So things don't go well. He tries to invite Bella back up to his hotel room, and she's just like, "Are you out of your mind? No, I'm not doing that." Yeah, she, she tells him, "I didn't get a bed out of bed after a for a year yes. after the way you left me." Mm-hmm. She said, <laughs> I, "I didn't get out of bed for a year," and just just walks out. And I don't blame her. I, don't, I would think I would have done the same thing. Um, then it cuts to a scene, and oh, back back to beginning of the movie when he's talking to the cab driver. He asks the cab driver if there are any toy shops near his hotel, because you know obviously he's on a trip. He has to has to bring home a toy for his son. My dad used to do that when I was a kid. And the cab driver's like, "Yeah, there's a there's a toy shop just around the corner from. They're open twenty four hours." Yeah, that um, that doesn't sound like Toys R Us. Or no, Wal- well, I mean, I guess Walmart not. could be considered a toy shop. Anyway, so he goes to this toy shop he asked about, and um, it's not the kind of toy shop he was looking no, for. No, the first thing you see are some dildos. A bunch of dildos. And he he accidentally knocks one of them off the counter, and it starts vibrating, and he picks it back up. I was like, I don't, I don't think I'd have been able to do that if I were him. He And then he, he, he finds this antique Japanese, like, robot doll. I don't know if it was supposed to be a sex doll or what. I don't know what that was. Just just, like just cool a statue. It was just yeah, like a really weird kind of a geisha. Statue. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was kind of a geisha. Mm-hmm. And he's drunk, obviously by now. And <laughs> after this scene, we get the most realistic scene in a hotel shower <laughs> ever, because <laughs> you get. I'll I'll let you explain it. Yeah, he is in the bathroom. He's ready to take a shower. And he cannot get the temperature right in that hotel for nothing. It's, oh, it's still fucking hot. And I'm pretty sure we've all been there we've with that. We've all been there where he's like, oh, ha, oh, fuck, God, that's hot. Shit, oh, God, that's too cold. Fuck. 
Yep. And then he finally gets it right. He finally takes his shower. And he sings in the shower. And he sings in the shower. It's the same tune that he was listening to in on his iPod, the uh, the flower duet. And then he gets out of the shower. Then he gets out of the shower. And I, I wasn't feel... expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> I was I... like, oh, there's a penis. There's a penis. And it, it, I feel, I wrote this, I feel sorry for whoever had to actually stop motion animate that tiny swinging penis because it moves. Like, it, it moves does. realistically. You know, everything moves. <laughs> so, he, and then we get this, uh, this, this weird scene just briefly where he's looking at his face in the mirror and the pieces that connect or that make up his face and his expression start to like gyrate and change and like, weird yeah, looking that's what I, I weird thing with his face yeah and, and he, he he for a second he starts to pull away the bottom half of his face and you know it's not like friday the 13th or it's not like a it's not like poltergeist where it's like a gory it's just pulling off the bottom half of his face but he stops when he hears another voice for the first time in this movie you hear another voice that's not him now i took this you know this watching this just recently i took this scene to be like, maybe he was kind of starting to deal with his issues, like standing there looking at himself in the mirror, but then was immediately distracted by something else and just kind of kind of bolted. Now, you may be right. I do think that you will pick up, up on more stuff with multiple views. Of yeah, this, this, this is a movie so. that this is a film that does require multiple, multiple views. Anyway, so he hears a woman's voice. For the first time in the movie, you hear a voice that's not him and it's not Tom Noonan. You hear a woman's voice and he just panics. He panics. He's like, oh my God, another one. There's another one. Like like he hasn't heard another human voice in years. Yeah, like he's trying to put on his pants. He's, he's falling over. Pulling, putting on his pants, falling over, putting on his shirt. Running out into the into the hallway I mean, of the just hotel. Just knocking on all the Knocking doors. on all these doors. Oh, I'm looking for my friend. I'm looking for my friend. And he finally knocks on this one door and this blonde lady answers the door and is immediately like, oh my God, it's you. And this is not the woman's voice he was hearing. This woman still has a man's voice, still has Tom Noonan's voice. And she's like, oh my God, it's you. I'm such a big fan. And that's when we find out that this guy has written a book that's all about customer service. And this woman and her friend, Lisa, who... And her name is... The her, first woman name the first is Emily. is Emily, yeah. Emily and Lisa... They are in town from Akron, from Akron, Ohio, to just to see him give this speech on customer service. Because as she says, productivity went up 90% after reading your book. Yes. They, they worked in, what was it, a call center of some kind? Yeah, some kind of call center. Um, so, yeah. And this Lisa is voiced by Jennifer Jason Lee. And he is immediately enamored with this woman. And, of course, she's a huge fan of him, so she's she's happy to meet them. She's happy to meet him. He takes Lisa and Emily to the hotel bar for drinks. This is the second time in, like, a couple of hours, maybe, he's been in the hotel for he's been in the hotel bar for drinks. So they spend some time down there talking. And he always gets the same drink. He always gets that the same Belvedere, drink. Belvedere martini with, with a twist or something. Yes. yes. Um, so they're there for drinks. They're talking. And Lisa's just going on and on about just life. You know, things that she likes, things that she enjoys. I didn't get a whole lot of notes for this scene. I don't know if you did or not. I just said that she starts singing at the table. Mm -hmm. And that she says she plays something called a Jew's harper. A Jew harp. Jew harp. Yes, a Jew harp. So she doesn't like to say it because it's offensive. It sound, yeah, it sounds anti-Semitic. <laughs> a Jew harp, if I'm not mistaken, is a, 
you know, the little mouth harps, the things that will It's like a weird, like oh, a... Oh, okay. I know, I know, I know Snoopy used to play about. one. I know Snoopy played one in the old uh, Peanuts cartoons. So yeah, that's a Jew's harp or a mouth harp. Okay. I don't know why they call it a Jew's harp. Yeah, I would easily have a different name for it. I didn't look that up. I should have looked that up to see what that was. Because I was like, I wrote it down. I was like, I don't know what that is. But I didn't go back to it. So they're back in the elevator, going back up to their to their floor. But Lisa is Lisa drunk. is hammered. Oh. She's pretty hammered. And then he invites Lisa back to her uh, he's, room. She's so drunk that she she's getting all upset because she wants to push the... Yeah. elevator button yeah she wants to push the elevator button. like no i wanted to push the button she yeah she's pretty drunk and meanwhile emily's hanging all over michael in mm-hmm. this place. she's mm-hmm. wrapping her arm around his mm-hmm. and i guess she feels she's the pretty blonde she's always yeah. gonna get what she wants mm-hmm. and then he surprises her by inviting lisa back to his room for a drink and lisa is we immediately see that lisa has some serious self-esteem issues she Starts walking she towards starts him walking towards face him plants. and immediately, yeah, immediately <laughs> just falls face first on the uh, on the carpet. And she gets up like, it happens all the time. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Yeah, it happens all the time. So we get this scene in, in his hotel room, just Lisa and him. And he cannot, he, he says it, he's like, I can't figure out why, but I'm just so amazed by you. I don't know what it is, what it is so much I like about you yet, but... I can't figure it out. We find out a little bit more about Lisa. We know she loves music. She loves... Um, She's the... shocked because she says everybody goes to Emily right. all the she time. She says usually yeah, everybody goes for Emily because Emily's the pretty one. See, see Lisa is not... She she has some scarring above her... her on, on her right uh, eye. Like right there above her eye. We never find out why, but she's nope. obviously very self-conscious yes. about that. She usually wears her, her hair down so it covers that. She keeps referring to herself as ugly and stupid. Ugly and stupid. She's, like I said, serious self-esteem issues. She mentions that she had a, not even a real boyfriend, but a guy at her job eight years ago who was married and I think... And had, he was 60 and years old. he was old. 60 years old and she... Yeah, he had a kid older than her. Mm-hmm. Like, he just went for her thinking he could try to get some and, and as she did. said, he was right. He was right. <laughs> so, she's been taken advantage of. She's a very... Very sad, but somewhat relatable character. And so from there, I love this scene. You know, because she was singing at the table, mm-hmm. so he asked her to sing something. Mm-hmm. And she sings Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. Mm-hmm. But it is a very different version of that song than I've heard. Yeah, well, yeah, because she's, she's singing it. And when she gets, to, she gets to the end of the first chorus, and she pauses for a minute, and he starts to say something, and then she just goes, Girls, they want... Want to have fun. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the theaters and just laughing hysterically. She did sing an Italian version. I think she said Sarah said Brightman, I think. I have the Italian version. I don't know who it was. Though. I think she said it was Sarah Brightman. But during that first one, Michael started to cry mm-hmm. at how beautiful that was. Mm-hmm. And then he just keeps telling her to talking because he loves her voice. Because this is the only voice that sounds different yeah, so far. so he loves her voice. He tells her she has an amazing voice. And she's like, well, that's why I'm in customer service at a phone center because I'm not pretty enough to be hired for a, for a face-to-face customer service job. And a, another funny thing about sh- about Girls Just Want to Have Fun, they she sings that song because they couldn't get the, the rights to My Heart Will Go On. Yeah, I just I found some really fun little Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah. I like girls just want to have fun better anyway. Yeah, I like that song a lot better too. 
So they spend this this time together and are you know starting to get a lot closer physically. Yeah, he's gone and giving he's her, gone a, kiss giving her a kiss. But this point, on the bed because she sings the Italian version on the bed. Mm-hmm, yeah, they're already laying on the bed, not not making out yet. But what what I cannot get over about this scene is it is. Not like normally in a, in a in a movie, if there was a scene where two people went back to a hotel and slept together, there'd be all these crazy cuts of them like just ripping each other's clothes off and all this passion and all this, you know, bullshit. This one, there's no cuts, just about. And it's just them lying on a bed talking and eventually moves on to actually... Yeah, like, like while she's singing, he starts kissing her like mm-hmm. on the side of the face, mm-hmm. putting his hand on her stomach very gently. Very gently. It, it it's it's bizarre how real a scene like that between two puppets could feel. And at this point is actually where she brings up the word anomaly. Right, right. Which is when he says, "Yeah, anomalisa." Mm-hmm. She 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 mentions earlier that like you know I read your book and I needed to have a dictionary yeah, with yes. me because I didn't get a lot of the words. I didn't. There were a lot of words I didn't know. And she says that anomaly was her favorite word that she learned from his books. But she loves Anomalisa even more. Mm-hmm. She loves Anomalisa anymore. Now, this is probably the most uncomfortable, consensual sex scene I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> Just between these two puppets. Because it is full frontal. I mean, we've already seen penis in this movie. But then, you know, it, it shows full frontal on both sides at the same well, time. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I actually watched this movie in two parts. Mm-hmm. So, I was watching it one afternoon... And the wife and kids got home. Oh, no. So I had to stop it because I heard him coming in the door. Mm-hmm. And it was right as he's going down on her. Oh, So I had to stop shit. it right there. <laughs> Save my notes. So that I could come back in the next... I came back in the morning. That would have been a fun conversation. You're like, what the hell are you watching? Ah, this is for... This is research. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Research. Research. Yes. And, and so from that we get this weird and he keeps asking her to talk the yeah whole time. he keeps During asking her to talk like don't stop talking like she's he's like make noises make he's moans like, yeah, or whatever moan or something yeah make some kind of a sound there are a couple of times where there's like a close-up shot of their faces and that's the only really like uncanny valley moment for me is when it's a close-up of their face because then you can see like the textures and the plastic and everything we get a shot, or after after they're done, you get this nice little panning shot out into out out well, his window. Something great about their sex scene though mm-hmm. is that they look each other dead in the eyes, and that's something you don't see during sex scenes. Yeah, people don't look each other right. dead they, in the eyes. It's rare. Yeah, making like like I said, like this this really real feeling sex scene and, between these two puppets, and they and they, and they, they climax they, together and everything. Yeah, they they really the, the animators really put a lot of work into this to make it feel as real as they could. I, I, I read that on when I was researching this. <laughs> we see a billboard. I had to make this note. We see a billboard outside about the Cincinnati Zoo, and it says it's zoo-sized, which is the same thing the, the cab driver said in the beginning of the movie. He's like, yeah, it's zoo-sized. It's zoo-sized. We get a strange dream sequence where he gets a call from the hotel manager, supposedly, and he goes down to this like basement office to supposedly meet the manager and gill gill lawrence gill lawrence gill we don't know why that name is important it's it's so funny goes down into this basement and it's huge yeah this massive it's like it's like a dr evil like james bond villain layer he's like on the other side of the room and he's Mm -hmm. like just get in the golf cart and drive over here yeah the guy's like yeah just drive over here get take the golf cart over 
the 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 manager tells him, you know, we don't mind you sleeping with other people in the in the hotel, just not with Lisa. Not with Lisa. Not with That's Lisa. What he's like, not I, with and, Lisa. And, and, and he's like, I love you, just not with Lisa. He's like, and and as he's leaving, there are all these women at all, like, yeah, like, like this guy's got like twenty secretaries. Yeah, yeah, but he insinuates he wants it to be him. Yeah, yeah. At that part, mm-hmm. just not Lisa. And yeah. then, like you said, the secretaries—they're all saying, "Like you me, can fuck me, you yeah, can fuck me." Just, just not, not her, just not, not Lisa, her. not Lisa. We don't and don't really know what this whole thing's starting to be. He and then it turns into this thing where he's like trying to escape the hotel with Lisa. Well, while he's running, before he wakes up, mm-hmm. yeah, that's where his face falls off. Yes, yes, his face does, the bottom half of his face does fall off completely. And he's just kind of staring at it like, um, what am I supposed to do now? He, he picks it up and puts it back, back on his face. And then he continues. And then he continues. That, 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 when, when his face fell off, that was a really cool moment. Yeah, cause because he, because you get you get a little bit of a glimpse of the, you know, the armature or whatever, right. the, the, the articulation that, is, that are underneath these puppets. And while he, then, then he suddenly wakes up and Lisa's like, you're thrashing in your sleep. She's like, you elbowed me in the well, face accidentally. And before that, after he gets Lisa, mm-hmm. you know, they go out, the power goes out in the hallway. They go back to his room. Mm-hmm. And that's when he realized that every person in the world is the same except for him except and Lisa. Except for him and Lisa. Yes. He's like, we're the only real ones. Everybody mm-hmm. else is fake. fake. Yes. Yeah. And then he wakes up. And then he wakes up, yeah. yeah. And Lisa's like, oh, you're thrashing around in your sleep, which is the exact same thing his <laughs> wife said to him yes. earlier. Yep, that is correct. So they're having breakfast after that, and he's just like, that's it, I'm going to leave my wife, and I'm going to be with you. And Lisa is oddly okay with this, with the idea that that Michael, I mean, she does say, yeah, I, she's like, I don't want to be responsible for breaking up a marriage, but okay, basically. Yeah, like he says it again, and she's like, that's enough for me. That's enough You've for me. It again. He's like, he's yeah. like, I only want you, I just, I just want to be with you, we'll be together forever. And as soon as he decides that he wants to be with her, this is like the most tragic part of the movie. As soon as he decides that he wants to be with her, and she's the she, you know, she's the one he wants. He starts uh, noticing all. Her he starts noticing things. all of her character flaws. You know that she that she like clinks her her, her fork while yeah. she's eating her eggs. Or he says she's very controlling. Yeah, he says she's very controlling. And then <laughs> you start to hear Tom Noonan's voice. At the same time that you hear her voice, like it's starting to, to mesh to, together, to, yes. mag- yeah, to mesh together until finally. But that was a great shot when she's talking with mm-hmm. her mouthful because mm-hmm. it zooms in on the mouth mm-hmm. and you can see bits of the eggs. Yeah, in scrambled eggs in her mouth. Egg in her mouth. I was like, that looks pretty cool though. Yeah, it's it done very well. So much of this movie, like, it's yeah. got so much great detail in it that you would not expect from from a movie that's not like you know. Um, Leica, you know, the, the, the company who did Paranorman and Box Trolls and those guys, those guys do some serious detail. Yes. But this movie, being made on such a small budget, had some fantastic shots in it. So sadly, as he's talking to Lisa, eventually her voice completely changes to be just like everyone else's. And that's when he's just like, oh, shit. Now what? And he just has, he, and then it, it cuts to the scene where he is giving mm-hmm. his Test, talk. Yep. He is giving his talk, his speech on customer service, and he is having a meltdown at the yep. same time. Yep. He is up there trying to say, you know, every person you meet is unique. <clears throat> every person has had a childhood and a birthday. And he says and, over and over, "Don't forget to smile. Don't forget, to, don't smile. forget to smile. Don't forget to smile." And he he, bitch, he he starts going on about our president is a war criminal. Yes, <laughs> like what the hell? Where did that come from? <laughs> Because, yeah, this movie came out in 2015. 
<laughs> like, I don't think he was. Um, yeah, I put it for my note. He's, he's losing his grip of sanity at this point. He, yeah, he's really losing it. And it's so sad. He's like, I need to cry. I need to just... I, I just need these tears to just come and they won't. He's, he's like, I... He, he doesn't feel anything. And the next shot the next the plane. shot is the plane... <laughs> Of him Head, heading back to the house, heading See? back to heading back to Los Angeles to his home. Is that where he's? Is that where he's he did? He's yeah, from? in the beginning of the movie, he did. He, t- I know, he told he, the I, cab driver. He was I remember because the cab driver after he's from England and he said, "I've lived here for a while, but yeah. I couldn't remember where." He said, said. Yeah, "He said Los Angeles." Okay. He comes back to his home without Lisa. His wife greets him at the door. His little boy comes running up to the door. Daddy is so happy to see him. And this is where you find out that he bought that he geisha statue from the, the sex shop to give to his son. To give to his son, and his he's son's like five like, years old. Is he? I think he's maybe like eight. Or is something. he eight? Yeah. And yeah. He, he's dressed in a fireman outfit. You know, he's like just a little boy. And he's like, "What is this? This is a doll. I don't want this." <clears throat> <laughs> so and. And then his wife, for some reason, throws him a surprise party. There's all these people there at his house. Like, it says he was only gone for a day, right? Yeah. Like, so it, it was maybe... not that long of a trip. At least yeah. didn't make it sound like it. No, he, yeah, he said he was only in town for a day. So maybe he stayed longer. We don't know. I mean, I, I'm guessing he did Or didn't. maybe he was somewhere else before the Cincinnati trip. And maybe. We, we got that story because maybe. that's where Bella was. Because, like, I didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't get, that's... like, anyone saying happy birthday or anything like no, that. No, I didn't get any of that. So it made it seem like he was gone longer at home because mm-hmm. if it's a day trip, I can't mm-hmm. see a surprise party. Yeah, his wife throws him a surprise party and that is when he is confronted with the realization and we realize along with him that he is the problem. Yes. Basically, he is his own problem. His wife is looking at him and saying, all of these people are here because they love yeah. you. Yeah, I love you. Yeah. Henry loves Henry you. Loves all you. of these people love you. And, and yep. he just cannot grasp it. He just sits there. The, the little geisha doll starts singing some song in <clears> Japanese, <throat> and he just kind of sits there on the on the on the stairwell, <clears throat> staring at this thing, unsure of what to do. And then we then we get this this narration that says uh, I forget the exact date. But it's in two thousand five. So we finally have a, a date, a time period of when this movie is happening. So yeah, at that time Bush would have been president, which makes <laughs> more sense about our president is a war criminal, whatever. And. It cuts to Lisa, and she is writing him a letter. And this is what I found so tragic, this second, or, the, you know, this viewing of this movie. She is going on about how her experience with him has changed her for the better, has impacted her for the better. And she's just, she's in the car, and it's like, it's the same day she's driving back to Akron with her friend Emily. Right. And she's writing this letter talking about how she has changed because of this, in, because of this encounter, and he hasn't. Like, he changed her life. He thought she was going to change his life, but it didn't. And that's where this movie, that, that, that is just so freaking sad to me. It is, but maybe if, if at least he's changing lives. So yeah, he made her life yeah. for the better. So, yeah, I guess, you know, hey, it could that's be. That's what you do in customer service. That's what you do in customer service. That's exactly right. You don't give a, you don't care about yourself. You just care about everyone else. And I guess that could be like the takeaway of this movie is that, you know, whether you feel like your life is, is, is something important or not you could you could be you could be making a better impact on other people and not even know it right that is one possibility because she looked up and this is where she tells what anomalisa means 
In Japanese, you know. yeah, is that yeah, what yeah. it was? was yeah, it in she, Japanese? she mentioned earlier that she liked different languages, and she, you know, she said she liked Japanese, and she said anamorisa. Oh, okay, that's what which it is was. how you would pronounce right. that in Japanese. She, right. What did she say it, it meant? Goddess of heaven. Goddess of heaven. <clears throat> I'm not sure about that. I do, I do know I, a little I wasn't Japanese, sure <laughs> um, but I guess for the sake of this movie, we'll agree with it. And then we're back to, you know, the end credits scroll and we're back to all the same voices, voices. talking over each yeah. other. And at the same time, Tom Noonan, again, is singing this song called None of Them Are You. And I found out the lyrics are actually written by Charlie Kaufman. Oh, okay. And it's just a really poignant movie. Because you 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 know how the guy feels. You know, you're like, I, I do especially at least. I don't know. I don't know if you connected with him as, as in the, in the same not. way as I did, but you know, after after living, <laughs> it's so funny. Like after, when I was living in Japan, if I heard anyone speaking English, my reaction was just like him when he, he heard, heard Lisa. Lisa for the first time. I was like, "Whoa, who was that? Someone speaking English?" Oh, okay. See, I've never had those kind of experiences, so yeah. I would say no. So overall, what would you say your impression of this movie was? Would you recommend it to somebody who's really looking for something out of their blind spot? Yeah, I mean it's definitely worth a watch. It is. You got to go in the right mindset though, because mm-hmm. you go in for that normal family-friendly animation movie, it you're going to be severely disappointed. Do not watch this movie with, with your kids. It is a hard R, and I'm pretty sure it has graphic nudity yes. on the label. Yeah, it's got, <laughs> it got to. Yeah, it has to. But that is our blind spot for this week. Wrapping up episode five. We hope you enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Never be afraid to try something different. There are some great movies out there that are animated, that are not Disney or Pixar or DreamWorks, not even Japanimation. Try out movies like, we will talk about these movies in further episodes, but movies like Waltz with Bashir or Persepolis or The Triplets of Belleville, stuff like that. Have you ever seen Waking Life? I have not, but I have seen the other movie that was made in that same style called A Scanner Darkly. Oh, yeah, okay. Same director, I believe. I think both of them, Keanu? I I'm not sure if Keanu was in Waking Life or not. I know he was in A Scanner Darkly. And I think he was the one in Waking Life as well. I haven't seen it, so that, I'm not positive. That, that's one we can look up later. Definitely. <laughs> we, we should have enough content to last us for at least a year. Enough oh, movies yeah. to last us for a while. But until next time, I have been Adam. And I've been Josh. And we're just here to remind you guys, whether you're in your car or in your theater, always check your blind spots. Take care. We'll see you next time.